Hope you enjoyed episode one. Now buckle up for episode two with Tammy and Mike. so fascinating on the on the dna of being a driver being you know wanting to succeed in in sport or you know that sort of thing it's hard to define like is that nurture or nature right because you because you know you were an athlete you know prior to going into the academy but even the academy and then mm-hmm. you kind of going into the military and going to academy there's a certain level of drive and dna there that says like i can do this i don't, I don't want to say confidence because i don't know that that's maybe the confidence comes later or maybe the confidence is there to make that call but then you have kids right that yeah. are that are exhibiting that so i'm really curious if you either one of you like, yeah do you have a a thought about that like in terms of what it is like did it is it genetic <laughs> Or is it like you provide the structure and, and like the expectation? And the opportunities for them right. to go out there and do something. I think it's a bit of nurture, to be honest. And a bit right. of yeah. nature. And a bit of nature. I, because, you know, going to like to the confidence and the things like yeah. that. I mean, throughout Mike's and, and my career, I mean, we're both, we're both very fortunate. We've both been, been very successful in our career paths, right? But we talk openly about what's hard at work and what we're struggling with and the Mm -hmm. next step. And the kids have seen where I've changed companies and what I was struggling with and why I decided to make the change and what I was, didn't feel like I was being successful at and why I needed. And I think they learn that over time, I Mm -hmm. think. And so then they apply it themselves. I think it's another reason that sports can be very good for kids. If, if you have your kids in the sports for the right reasons and you're allowing them to choose their Mm -hmm. paths, because they are going to be in situations where they have to figure things out as part of a team, you know, and they have to challenge themselves and figure right. out how much, am I, how much myself am I going to give to this? Yeah. I think it's important. Yeah. yeah. I would definitely agree with nurture. Okay. More. And, and I think, I think nature, sure. I think there are things that, you know, there are certain aspects of that, but I think nurture. And the reason I say that is because I think even whether it's sports or your career, um, you will see where if there are very fortunate people who, who are surrounded by people who want them to be successful, right? And mm-hmm. will give them, you know, will mm-hmm. work with them to make them successful. Mm-hmm. And I've also seen where, you know, whether they are with coaches or leaders that don't necessarily think in the best interest of the people that they're working with, yeah. who have taken really good people and they were not successful in working under them, Right. And I think that's why I think it, there is a nurture aspect to it that we as, you know, managers, leaders, whatever it may be, you can make your people as successful as they want to be. Maybe that's the nature part of it is mm-hmm. do they want to succeed? But I think <laughs> yeah. even then I would say, look back on a person's <laughs> life and say, who impacted them enough that they felt like they weren't going to be, you know, they shouldn't be successful or you know, I, w- I would say that there's probably something somewhere along the way, whether it was a parent, whether it was a teacher, whether it was something that um, impacted somebody to the point where they feel like, I don't know if I could put the effort in, right? Or why I should put the effort in. Yeah. And I think too, uh, you're making me think about expectation. Yeah. And I feel like 
you know, the, there is a, probably a lot of discussion on how much expectation as a parent you can have on your kid or even your employees, frankly. Yeah. And when that becomes, it's like a tipping point between that being effective and a motivator and then that being traumatic and a trigger. Yeah. <laughs> and knowing, you know, I don't know that any of us know right like I joke all the time that I'm like saving money for their therapy later because <laughs> you just don't know like yeah. you do the best you can do with yeah. like what you think is like having expectations for people because I think without expectation you know that gives them way too much power I think yeah. we do a lot especially as we've generationally softened because for me like my parents it was like very dysfunctional and weird expectations that didn't align with them showing me how to do like they had expectations for me to to do great things without really the nurture part yeah yeah but now it's like I feel like the pendulum you know we've gone such the other way of like I don't want to say coddling but like where is where is the like expectation that says you've committed to something I want you to see that through did you give 100 percent 10 percent you said the thing about Tyler being a leader on the field like what I love (laughs) Tyler was giving our son Scott a hard time. Like they played one year together. Scott yeah. was JV, but he's like, take it, you know, be serious on the field. Scott can be kind of goofy, you know. But I think having a person like that that's watching, that you are, you know, he was a senior, he was a freshman, it's somebody that you're like look up to, yeah. and he's watching you, and he has an expectation for you. Mm-hmm. That's like, I better, yeah. I better get my together, you yeah. know. It's, right. well, yeah, and you know, there's that thing. I don't know if you've seen that that grid that you know. It's and they talk about like employee motivation yeah. and what they're good at and whether or not you know they're going to be a high potential employee for you long term and it's like yeah. you know on, on the vertical axis it's like are they good at it you know it could be not good at it or really good at it and but then on the horizontal axis is like do I enjoy it maybe I don't enjoy it maybe I do enjoy it and so when you're down here it's something you're not good at and you don't enjoy don't try to ask your employee or your child to do that thing right sure. but like let's say they're really good at it. But they hate it. You don't want to keep asking that person or your child or that employee to keep doing something they're really good at if they hate it. Because they're going to leave the company or your child is going to burn out, right? And I think freshman year, that was a quick realization. When when he stopped enjoying football, no doubt he was a fantastic quarterback and he had great instincts and he was just really, really good at it. But he stopped enjoying it. So you don't force him to keep doing it just because he's good at it. You have to pay attention to what what are they enjoying and what do they yeah. like doing now. And it's the same with employees, right? So you kind of got to find that sweet spot where they're really good at something and they really enjoy it because then they're just going to take off, off and go it, for yeah. it. And that's like what Mike was saying where we put them in a lot of sports early so that they could go figure out what they wanted to do. And we've let them guide that, right? We've said, you have to tell us what you want. Mm-hmm. It's, you're not doing this for mom and dad. This is not about us. This is about you. And so Jordan has always, I, I actually have tried to get Jordan to like branch out and do other sports. And she's like, no, I'm doing soccer. That's it. And yeah. I'm like, okay, but it has worked so well for her. And then Tyler made the shift and lacrosse became his priority. And that's worked really, really yeah. well for him. And he's very fulfilled. And I think you have to pay attention to that. And I mean, I do with my employees as well. I mean, I have employees, they're great at some things. They're fantastic at it. But I know they would rather stick a fork in their eye than do that day in and day out. So I don't ask them to do it. You know, I find other people to do things. Yeah. Like, yeah, you have to. Like, right? it's the whole leverage strengths. And that's how, yeah. yeah. And that's how, that's how I think you set the right expectations for people. Because you know what they're capable of and what they enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's my, that's my take on it. Do you feel like you, from an academic perspective, how did you guys approach that in terms of your expectations there? Did you have, do you feel like you had more expectation on the athletic side or did, is it? 
it equal? I, I would say this. I think Jordan, through high school and everything, she's always worked really hard. At everything. Right? At yeah. everything, right? So even academics, she was she always, herself, you know, like yeah. pushed herself, homework, you know, whatever. Was she born, you know. was she born first? She was. And, yeah. and yeah. birth order, yeah. well, even in twins, well, her, well, her leg, twins. her leg popped out first. Okay. So she, so she was first. She's like, I'm so, out of here. Yeah. So, um, yeah. but Tyler was very different, right? Tyler was very breeze through high school. Is he smart and all of that? Yeah, absolutely. If we would, you know, my whole thing is if he would apply himself and yeah. that was something that he made a priority. Yeah. Do I feel like he could have graduated with better grades than he graduated from high school? Sure. But they were good grades, not sure. great. Yeah. And then I think, though, is he had a much harder time in college first semester. Adjusting. Right? Yeah. yeah. I think he had yeah. very, I think in a way he, he learned something about himself because, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. hey, you know, he had, he wanted to be a kinesiology major. He had some, you know, he wanted, he thought it was interesting. He wanted to go do those things. And then he ran into biochem, bio lab, chem lab all in the first semester yeah. of freshman year. And he didn't have study habits or he didn't, yeah. because in high school he just kind of got by. And, you know, we were clear with him. We were like, you know, we would get on him and say, you know, your sister has so much homework. You seem to have none. You yeah. know, what's yeah. going on here? Yeah. Hey, but you it know sounds what? so great when you have someone your exact same <laughs> yeah. age. Yeah. Like yeah. there's no hiding. She has yeah. finals to study yeah. for. You seem yeah. to not. What's going on here? But. And so we, we stayed on him, but at the end of the day, we were like, look, you are making choices and there are going to be good yeah, or bad doors, doors. right? You're, you said you're opening doors and closing opening, doors, yeah. right? And that's what yeah. he realized that when he was looking at schools to play lacrosse. And I think he was a little surprised that, that he didn't have more options available. And we were like, well, buddy, grades are a big part of this, you know? And he he's seeing that now. And while I wish... I wish he had gotten better grades and more doors were open for him. I think this has been very good for him. He has learned a lot about himself this year, and I think it's been necessary. And he's finding a good path. But yeah, I feel like force, you can't force your kids and be on them through high school no. and then launch them into college and expect them to just yeah. be successful. That we're not going to follow him to college and micromanage right. him there. He's yep. he's on. And his it own goes now. to you just explained so beautifully the thing around if you're good at something and you like it, yeah. and I think we can't. Just ignore that with when it comes to academics. That's a whole thing too. Like it is a system, and a certain type of person does well in that system. Yeah. And there's a lot of us, myself included, that system was not really great for me. I thrived once I got out of that structure and was able to use my strengths and find things that I like to do. And so, and and I told Tyler this. I mean, I love I love Tyler so much, but I did tell him. I said, you know, you just became a really interesting person. Yeah. Because when you go through something, it, it makes you interesting. It makes you, yeah. it builds character. Now he has a perspective that a lot of people don't, mm-hmm. that he can utilize as either a motivator or to help other people. You know, so it's, it's just so like, true. so yep. true. And he's the kind of personality that will do that. Like he's already, you know, so I could talk about him forever. Okay. So let's talk really quick about for you, maybe personally, you know, start with you, Mike, just in terms of your own success of your career. Like if you had to say, what are one or two things? And I'm sure there's like a lot you could choose from, but that has helped you maneuver through your career to, to kind of 
have it be fulfilling, you know, and have it be, you know, there's the, the emotional fulfillment and then there's obviously like whatever those success factors are, if it's lucrative or whatever those, yeah. you know, things are. So what would you say has sort of served you well? Teresa's new book, Soft Skills I Learned the Hard Way, is out and available on Amazon. She writes about many epic fails throughout her career and how she learned from them so you don't have to. This book is full of cheat codes for how you can differentiate yourself when it matters, like in interviews, trying to get that promotion, or being a first-time leader. As always, thank you, Relatable Community. We are so grateful for your support and continued listenership. As of today, we are 8,000 listeners and 15 countries strong. Now back to the show. So here's a little bit difference in terms of our career paths yeah. between Tammy and I. So this is, I'm going on my 18th year at SPA. Oh, so, wow. Okay. Um, That's unusual these it days. Is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I, you know, people look at me like I, you know, have three heads when I mentioned that in interviews and other stuff. But, you know, really though, I, I think what I would tell, whether it's my younger self or other things, there's a couple of things I always tell people as they're coming in and, and trying to describe what success looks like mm-hmm. for them, right, is... When you join a company or when you join, you know, an organization at all, you got to bring a couple things. One, bring your intellectual curiosity. Want to understand everything about the role that you're doing. Right. right? Want to understand, the, uh, you know, even those around you. What do they do as part of this company or part of this organization? And what is your value add in that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the other part I would say is... You know, and I, I think early on I was very focused on, okay, these are my things and, and I own these things and I got to be really good at these things. But I think I was very myopic in terms of like what I focused on. I would say like have a broader picture of this is your role in this bigger organization, but this entire organization functions because everybody has a part. Right? Mm-hmm. So wanting to understand like how things work and asking questions and being you know, being thoughtful about not just your own job, I think is is one thing I would probably want to pass on to folks. And the other one I would say is think about things as a whole, right? As a mission, as a, as a, what is, what, what is it we're trying to achieve, right? Um, And then do the things on a daily basis to get there, Mm -hmm. right? So um, I would say those are the things that I think truly make people stand out as they join an organization, right? Is come in and want to know like just show yeah. the curiosity that you should have in order to you know be bigger than just an employee right? it's so especially when you start it's so hard to pull back because yeah. you're so one you probably don't know what you're doing right. and two you have some fear and you're just trying to build a name for yourself and right. like not f up frankly yeah. in the very mm-hmm. beginning but the sooner you can see how your part fits into the bigger part the context is so yeah. powerful because it changes and shifts the way you might approach something for yeah. sure. So it's great advice. What about for you, Tammy, like in terms of your path? And, and I'm sorry, what is the Just question? The, what, what do you think has helped you to be successful? Like I, I think of it as maybe like behaviors, habits, or rituals, but you're right. But in terms of give, being able to maneuver in your career and I mean, obviously you have responsibility for sort of a massive operation now and yeah. And so what do you think's helped you to, to get to this point? I agree with Mike in that I think curiosity is, it's um it's huge. It's so important. I, I look for that in people. If I, if I have somebody who comes in to the organization, well, first of all, I screen them out. I don't, I try not to hire people who come in 
And they just, they've already got it figured out. They've got it wired. They know mm-hmm. how they're going to come in and save the world. And they're going to tell us how they're going to do things. We don't hire those kinds of people. And I've never been that kind of a person. I've always come in with a sense of curiosity of like, how can I fit into this team or this org or right. this group or the department? What can I do to support it? You know, and I think it does go back to how I was raised for starters. And, and it's also the military. It's like, you know, you're there to serve, right? Yeah, and, service. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. so every, you know, all of the roles that I have had throughout my career in the military, enlisted and officer, and then as I, you know, I started over when I, when I went into construction, you know, out on job sites after the military, and it was really about how do I help the team build this building? You know, am I am I going to be doing field engineering? Am I doing project engineering? Am I what am I doing here? Whatever the role was, mm-hmm. you know, I figured out what it, what is it that I have that I can bring to bear for the team? And I think that's important. And a lot of folks come in and they're just like, just tell me what you need me to do, and I'm just going to do that. And you see that a lot now. Or I expect you to tell me, you know, to teach me. You have to, you know, and. But we, yeah, you have yeah. to pull them along, like, right? And it's, yeah. but what we're really yeah. looking for is, you, you know, we're looking for the people who are like raising their hand and saying, what can mm. I do to help? What can I do to contribute to this? What can I Driving learn? Outcome. Yeah, what can I learn Let to me make me better yeah. to ta- or to take something on? Mm-hmm. And, and that's been huge. I, I think, um, I so that's always been something that I've always yeah. tried to do. Even now in the position I'm in, I mean, I'm, I, you know, I'm the global head of, of teams all over the world, and I still bring, I don't see it as a sense of, you know, my, my boss, the CEO, we were talking one day, and he's like, you know, he says a lot of people see this as a, you know, a position of power or whatever. We were just talking philosophically, yeah. and I was like, I was like, you know, I don't see it this way. I said, I see it as a position of service, and he said, I know, and he says, that's why you're perfect for this role, because you create this space for people all over the world who are in stressful situations to, to ring you up and say, mm-hmm. I got this issue, I need some help. Yeah. You know, and, and it's really, that's my job, is to support the people who are on the front lines who are doing the great work. And I, I think that's yeah. been the key to success. One of the complaints I've heard from where I do some consulting and some other places is there's something about people now, I don't know what what, what the contributing factors are, but there's a, a reluctance to drive to an outcome if you don't think it's going to be a hundred percent. Yeah. So there's, it's not that people aren't capable or they don't want to, or maybe it's that like the raising your hand thing, Mm -hmm. but there's something that's like, they want it to be perfect. And if it's not going to be perfect or they're not going to deliver in a way that doesn't make them look like an uh, an idiot, Mm -hmm. then they just wait for you to tell them and wait for you to set the table and wait, you know, and I think if we could as leaders start to figure out, it's okay. Let's create an environment. If you fail, it's okay. We want you to fail because that's how you get right. better. And I think we've just, it feels like that apprenticeship model, no matter what your career is, mm-hmm. we've lost some of that. I feel like at least as we were maturing and evolving in careers, I feel like in the different industries I was in, there was something about that, like a pre- especially professional services, right. it's well, kind of built on that. But it's, I feel like it's a way to help people to like push themselves. It's true. And you know, it's, we have a, well, we have a, a thing in one of our principles at Compass is, you know, failure on the path to success, right? Mm-hmm. And it goes to that double loop learning, like really, really intelligent, high-performing people they don't learn by reading a manual or a book or hearing it or seeing an instruction. 
they learn through failure because, and, and then it just accelerates yeah. their performance. And so we have the same, we celebrate failures. We have Wiley Coyote Awards, you know, from the Roadrunner. Yeah. And we celebrate them every quarterly oh, staff meeting. Oh, I love meeting. that. And you nominate yourself and you're like, this is what I did wrong. This is what oh. I missed. This is what it cost the company. And we share it and we celebrate it. And people get gift cards for celebrating I their Wiley Coyotes. <laughs> We do, and and it just because I'm totally we, stealing that, by the way. Oh, you should, you should, you should, because it just makes everybody better. We're like, oh, okay, and it and it also and it's creates a safe space. Yeah, like they were so humble to to share that and be vulnerable, yeah. and they know that it's okay, and we celebrate it. And, and I think that's really, really oh. impo- important. And then Brene Brown, you know, it's mm. a curse word, but no. she has this thing called no. the shitty first draft. Have you heard of that? And we do that at Compass as well. We're like, don't do this grand unveiling where you give us this polished, finished product and you put hours and weeks of work into something. You may have totally gone down the wrong path. Just give us your shitty first draft. Let it. Just give me your 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 outline, your high level thoughts. Let's tweak it a bit and then go run with it. You know. And then people feel like okay, and they're empowered, right? They got yeah. some feedback along the way. Yeah. We do that to kind of break down that hesitation to move forward with something because they're not sure if it's going to be perfect or not. We were like, we'll just involve us early. Just yeah. let us give you some fee- incremental feedback, and then you can go and do it. And it works. Yeah. It works. And then you just see your folks just doing these amazing things. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Do you have something you're going to add or no? Yeah, the only thing I would say is I think for a long stretch, and, I, and, and and I think in certain industries it's still probably very prevalent, but like the whole zero defect mentality drove that. Yeah. Is that right. mistakes are bad, right? right? Mistakes are unacceptable, right, mm-hmm. to a company or something along those lines. And I think... That actually probably hindered development and process improvement for a lot of organizations because it actually mm-hmm. was kind of deemed as I can't bring this up because it, it may not work. Right. Right. Yeah. But the other thought of it is, is and Tammy's right, you have to create that space where it's like, yeah, everybody makes mistakes. And honestly, I think when, especially for high achieving people who are usually typically used to winning or used to doing the right thing or used to being recognized Mm -hmm. for all the good that they do Mm -hmm. right failures are things that they will long remember than every other good thing that they've done because good things are expected right whereas (laughs) if you screw up that sticks in your head right that's Mm -hmm. you know i think for high performers that's the thing that when they fall asleep at night they just kind of go god why did i do that but you know but they think back and say right but that also drives them that if they were to work on something along the same lines, they will always remember yeah. the failure versus all it's the so successes true. that they were so true. Yeah. So. Relatable is sponsored by TFA Soft Skills, your one-stop shop for workshops, coaching, speaking, and soft skills development. If you'd like to hire Teresa, visit www tfasoftskills.com for more information. Okay, let's talk quickly about, uh, not quickly, but I, I wanted, there's a couple more things I want to get to. In terms of your own path, one of the things that I think can really help our audience is hearing about people that have had a significant moment that shaped them in terms of how they've maneuvered through their career or life. And like it was a big pivot moment. And then is it a person, it can be a person or, or something that like happened to you personally that you had to, you know, be talking a lot about like resilience and being able to kind of be self-aware and learn from that. So I'd love to hear, Sammy, we'll start with you. Like what, is there something that sticks out in terms of, of your path that really shaped kind of where you are now? I think there was probably two. 
if that's okay. Sure. Two moments. The first is what I alluded to early on. You know, I was raised in a small town, blue collar parents. I wasn't raised to go to college or think that I could go to college or have a big executive career or anything like that. It just, that wasn't in our world, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and so I think the first moment was when I was that electronics technician at the Pentagon during desert storm. And I had a division officer who saw something in me and she was like, you, you made sailor of the year two years in a row and you should think about being an officer. That was never on my radar. It was just, I didn't see myself being mm-hmm. you know, an officer and create opening that door for me and get, have, providing a path for me if I chose to step on it. And I did was probably the first pivotal moment for me because, you know, I became an officer. I got a degree and, you know, and, and yeah. it just led to so many other things. And, and then I think the second pivot point was my career I'm in now coming to compass data centers and my CEO, he, I, I didn't hire on to compass three years ago to step into this global role. It was, it was different. I was, I was brought in for as vice president of, you know, program development, which is a great role. Mm-hmm. But I only did it for about six months. And then he was like, I see something in you. He was like, I want you to sit on the executive leadership team in the C-suite with us. I want you to head up my global construction team. And I was like, I told him, I was like, no, I was, and I named, I named like two other people in the organization. I was like, no, I said, I think you should pick this person or this person. He goes, no. He was like, this is what I see in you. This is what I think you're bringing to the table. This is what I need on the executive leadership team because I have a gap here with these skill sets. That's what you bring to the table. You're like the missing piece. He saw things in me that I was not even seeing in myself. And I never would have imagined that I would have ended up on in the C-suite, you know, on an executive team with just seven other people. There's eight of us, you know, Mm -hmm. and, um, and we're a very diverse team. There's of the eight of us, there's four white males, but those four males are very diverse in terms of political, religious Mm -hmm. leanings and all that. And then we have two men of color and two women, you know, so it's a very diverse team, but our CEO has done that intentionally. And he, he knew the skill sets and the experience and the diversity he was looking for to build a complete team. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think those are the two moments for me where somebody else saw something in me that I was not recognizing mm-hmm. in myself. And then you took advantage. I think that's the other yeah. piece. Like and then I said if some, yes. Yeah. And you said yes and not weren't afraid of that. If it well, I was afraid. Something. I was afraid both times. Yeah. <laughs> but, but then I'm, you know. But I did it anyways, yeah. you know. You pushed yeah. yourself. Yeah. Um, I love that. What about for you, Mike? I would say there's there's probably two people. And, and one is my first CEO in the Navy. His name was Tom Kennedy. Um, he, honestly for me, when I got to my first ship, that was my first job ever. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, well, well. I mean, yeah. other than like, you know, high school jobs and stuff like that. It was like my first real job, you know? So it's kind of like, you know, and and I was this fresh ensign that did, you know, yes, I had some training, but I still knew nothing, right? right? And, yeah. and, and working for him, he actually was one of those leaders that allowed people to, he would step in when he had to step in, but would allow you to do things your way. Right. To find your, right. To find your way, to find your own leadership style, what works for you. Right. And, and he gave me some challenging assignments. He gave me some, you know, challenging goals. Mm -hmm. And those were things that, you know, allowed me to learn about myself and like how I'm going to achieve those things and, or what works for me from a leadership perspective, because what works for me definitely doesn't work for Tammy. Right. We're just very different that way. And then I would say later on, um, after I'd been at SPA for a long period of time, one of my, the jobs I took was as deputy group leader for that integrated um, warfare systems group. 
And it was a very different role for me. I had been, you know, running a particular area of work and things like that. But then now I'm kind of helping run an entire group of people. Um, I got to see where, you know, the personnel stuff and all of that other stuff that you have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. But then quickly there, like, I was in that role for about five or six months. And then my boss at the time calls me and says, hey, um, I remember it was July 4th weekend. And that year, the 3rd of July was a Monday. He goes, I am retiring on Friday. That was the notice I got. And so I was like, okay. And so like on that Wednesday, I go and see the CEO and, you know, our group had been kind of a, things were not going so well before I'd even stepped in as, as the deputy that, uh, we were a direct report to CEO, right? Because he wanted to see us every week Mm -hmm. to discuss how things were going. Right. And so, you know, when my boss retired, he, he talked to me and said, Mike, he goes, I think you're the, you're the right person to step in as the group leader. You, and gave me that opportunity. And, you know, we turned it around pretty well. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then we went from not doing so great to being one of the best contracts, one of the best groups in the company. Right. And, and I think him allowing, you know, him giving me the support, him, you know, Bill Vantine, yeah. he's, he's now retired, but you know, him giving me those opportunities and at the same time his door when he says his door was always open if i had a question or if i had some issues or i needed his help he, he felt like he was a text away right and i can text him he would call me and say yep let's talk about it we'll take care of it whatever it may be but you know that kind of support actually went a long way to helping me you know grow right it's such a good reminder about and this is i feel like it's not talked about enough the i the ability to identify talent and then the ability to shepherd and give that talent opportunity without stepping in too much to, you know, to your point around giving you space to do the yep, thing right. that you need to do. So being able to spot it mm-hmm. and then being able to leverage that so that that person can then cultivate and build what you see. Yeah. And it's so, it's like not talked about enough. I feel like it's underrated. Like it great CEOs and great leaders and great people that like are hugely successful have that ability because to do talent, that and let go. You talent know, it's like, can't be captured in bullets on a resume. Right. You right. Know, it's, yeah. It's completely different. Yeah. Let's talk soft skills for a minute. What are your favorite soft skills in terms of that have made either because you're both in, in leadership roles. So you might have the perspective of what would, what do you like to see within your teams? I think there are these differentiating factors that are the difference between it's an obstacle if your acumen in this space is limited and that's mm-hmm. basically what I'm trying to do with the second act here is to help people understand that for you um Tammy what would you say in terms of either your own you know that that have been helpful to you or your teams that you in terms of what are the one or two that are important I think humility is the number one thing okay coming into any situation or any any conversation recognizing that you're probably going to learn something new and you're not coming in with all the answers. Um, humility is, I think it's one of the key drivers to success for anybody, yeah. to be honest. And then curiosity yeah, and, then we, hung, yeah. and then just hunger, you know, you yeah. wanting to step up, wanting to raise your hand, wanting to learn more, wanting to do more. I think those three things for me, mm-hmm. humility, curiosity, hunger, those are the three big ones for me. Love it. I would agree with those three and I would probably also add empathy. Right is yeah. trying to what I found is if people are coming to you 
for one reason or another, whether it's a personal problem or an issue with work or their customer, right? It's, it's trying to understand, you know, from their perspective, what is driving them to come talk to you about certain things. Some, some people may have some issues that you don't even know about. Right. Yeah. But, you know, being the case, actually, <laughs> what's that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it can't be the answer is, well, you know, that's not my problem, because in my opinion, if anybody is on your team, right, you helping them to become successful is your job. Mm-hmm. And so, job. yeah, is. Yeah, and so, so true. Yeah. you know, being yeah. willing to listen. Right. And, and mm-hmm. like Tammy said, having the humility, being humble and un- trying to understand what a situation is. Um, I think are all soft skills that will take people a lot further than being very stonewalled, very cut off and very and just um, good at the technical aspect of your job. Right. Like it only gets you so far. It only gets right. you yeah. so far. Yeah. Yep. And then what about as you look back and you're both, you know, advanced in your career, have had a lot of success, you've had these varieties of experiences, you know, your parents, some of these kids <laughs> now, these awesome kids that are kind of at their next milestone. So if you think back to your like 20 year old self, 20, 25 year old self, Mike, we'll start with you. Like what, what advice would you give him to just maybe, uh, make the path a little bit easier? What is sort of some of the lessons learned that you would say, listen, young Mike? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I would say being curious, being more curious in your younger age, right. And wanting to learn, um, as much as you can is, should be. A big part of your life mm-hmm. right it can't just be you know eh, you know it's just my job no it's 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 because I think in many ways people treat their jobs like actually is a pretty good reflection how they are in life right because you know work is uh, some people see it as a necessary evil but work is also kind of what allows us to do the other things in our life right mm-hmm. and so you have to you know, I would say to my younger self, be more curious about the work that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Want to become an expert in the things that you do. Love it. Tammy, what would you? I would say, um, if I was talking to my younger yes. self, I would say, um, give yourself doubts less airtime. <laughs> honestly, yeah. honestly, I think um, I have spent a good part of the last 30 or 40 years doubting myself, whether or not I could do it, whether or not I was good enough, whether or not I was filling the role. And I've probably been doing it well the whole time. You know, Mm -hmm. if you were to listen to other people, they would probably say, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what I mean? (laughs) If you were to listen to Mike, he's always like, why are you beating yourself up all the time? I would say, stop beating yourself up. You're doing just fine. Yeah. It's interesting. I, um, I, I've told people that I've worked with on teams or that I do a lot of coaching and it's interesting people that have this tendency to worry about um, their performance in a way that might have like a catastrophic effect, like I can yeah. lose my job or just worry that they can't do a thing. And like, has anybody told you that you can't do a thing? Has anybody told you that you're doing badly? Has anybody given you that indication? And usually the answer is no, no, no. That's right. And so then yeah. it's like anchor in that versus like, I think the idea, like, cause everyone can get worried and you have that little paranoia, yeah. but it's like, once you make that reality check of like, is, is any, I mean, sometimes you can be, you can, you know, they that pull the rug out from under. You don't always know, but generally you have an idea, but to you like, do. to gut, but yeah. it's hard if you have self doubt or, you know, to be able to kind of have that voice. Um, 
I have really enjoyed chatting with you both. I could talk to you forever. Um, I might have to have you back, but I feel like we covered really good territory in terms of like um, all these different aspects. So I just really appreciate you, you know, taking time out of your day to to join us. Thank you for this opportunity. It was was awesome. Yeah, it was fun. fun. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tammy and Mike, for joining me. What an incredible conversation. A few things that I loved. Military breeds great leaders. Don't do things halfway. Be determined and accountable. Stay curious. It's a game changer. Seek out mentors and or be a mentor to others. Thank you to Missy for producing this episode and Hannah for your support. A big thank you to our relatable community. We continue to grow our audience and so appreciate all of our listeners. If you enjoyed this conversation, please take a moment and subscribe on your favorite streaming platform. Relatable is sponsored by TFA Soft Skills, and you can find more information about Relatable and our sponsor by visiting www.tfasoftskills.com. Until next time, this is Teresa Freeman with Relatable. Stay connected.